Hey, welcome back to Everyday Economics, the podcast that helps you learn about the economic world happening around you every day. I'm your host, Chris Krug, president of the 501c3 nonprofit, nonpartisan Franklin News Foundation. Everyday Economics is a production of America's Talking Network. You can listen to all of our great podcasts at americastalking.com. To support Everyday Economics and podcasts such as this one, please make your tax-deductible charitable contribution by clicking the link in the show description. We are recording this episode on Tuesday, May 9th. And joining me as always, my friend, Dr. Orfe Divangi, PhD economist. Dr. O, we're going to talk about the housing market. I've been trying to stay off of YouTube simply because I'm terrified by all the flames and the, the fever charts with the arrows pointing down so hard. It, it's frightening. The YouTubers that have been calling for the end of the world and the housing Armageddon that was going to lead to a financial crisis like what we've never seen before. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it's wrong. They've been all wrong. All right. Today, I think the threat comes from a policy mistake by the Fed or from inflation sticking around. And then you're, you know, and then maybe even seeing record job losses. In my opinion, unless we start to see the labor market cool substantially, not just cool, but actually crash due to some unbelievable credit tightening, right? That's preventing employers from making payroll. Then basically we are not likely to see another global financial crisis, another massive housing market price meltdown is just not going to happen. Like, look, a year ago, I wrote a column entitled, don't hold your breath waiting for a housing bubble to burst. And I said that again, you know, if you held your breath, you probably would have died by now. I think that that's just science. I mean, I it, it was pretty clear to me that the, that the housing market was greatly undervalued before the pandemic. And that, you know, what it did was the price level that we saw during the pandemic was, for the most part, supported by fundamental factors of supply and demand. And so that's why, and not, and not, let, let me add this, and not, right, you know, speculators basically pushing up prices because they expected prices to keep going, growing exponentially. And so the housing market had not become some unsustainable bubble. You know, today, competition for homes is heating up again across the country, across the country. I mean, even the most expensive housing markets that saw a 10% correction since the peak in June or July of 2022, like Austin, Texas, where there's been a surge in housing, new construction and and massive price declines, 10% price decline, you know, in, in half a year, massive. Even that market is now seeing strong monthly price gains right now. The reason why is that there were buyers waiting in the wings. And I've said this many, many times. I think I heard the YouTuber say, hey, prices are declining. People are running away from housing because prices are declining. No, people come back when prices decline, when affordability improves, people come back. And, and so now you have the typical spring housing market, which is basically at this time of the year, uh, we expect price gains of about 1%. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing April price growth by about 1%. The market has just gone back to normal. Unfortunately, we're still, it's not even quite normal yet because we still have very, very low inventory. So there's a ton of price pressures, right? And it's that low inventory. It's that lack of supply that's causing prices in these markets to increase. New listings 
are 28% lower in April than they were last year. That means, that means what? 28% fewer homes coming on the market means less supply. And when you have less supply, you know, even if you just, even if you just hold demand constant, right? You don't see an uptick in demand. You're going to see an increase in the price level. That's exactly what a supply constrained housing market looks like. And we need inventory desperately. Right? I think the more inventory we get, the better off we're going to, we're going to be, uh, for all these people that are just dying, itching to get into the housing market. You know, as we talk about housing, you know, quite a bit, and and I'm, you know, just thinking about. I live in Illinois, which is a reason for me to think about other places to live, even if it's a, a dream. But when I'm looking at, at markets, you know, um, using you know tools from Zillow or Redfin and getting updates, uh, Realtor.com. I mean, any of the I have a, a bunch of digital searches that are looking at a, a bunch of different markets and feeding me back data on different kinds of properties. It's it's very interesting what I'm seeing. In some markets, houses are hanging around at certain price points. In other markets, and in particular, you know, still hot markets like, boy, Nashville still looks really, really hot. I mean, um, in some markets in Nashville, Franklin, Brentwood, the Bell Mead section in, in Nashville, you know, and in, in, in even even to the east and like Hendersonville and, and Mount Juliet, it's very specific to the, to the Nashville market. You're seeing clearly what is multiple offers and homes that are moving in and out of the market briskly. Now, it is the season. And price increases. Right. Which is kind of mind boggling. Now, in other parts of the country, like Pittsburgh, depending on the property and depending on the market, and obviously depending on the home, you're seeing some competition on pricing. But I looked at that market very sincerely about a, a year ago, a year and a half ago with, you know, thinking about returning there. I grew up there. Right. And there were multiple offers. And by multiple, I mean, like we put an offer in on a home that had more than a dozen offers on it. And our offer was over asking price and we didn't even get a call. Our realtor didn't even get a call back from the other realtor because it wasn't in the top five. I think that has chilled. But in certain markets, it's just competitive because of the inventory. Issue. Exactly. Demand has fallen a lot when compared to last year, for sure. I mean, mortgage rates increasing up 26% when compared to last year have caused demand potential new buyers to want to delay their purchase or and some because, simply because some of them just can't afford it anymore and in order to be in today's housing market you need to have a stronger income you need to have really good credit you have to be good you have to be able to make the monthly payments but i think a lot of people you know for the people that were calling for a price crash a massive price i've heard so many i mean even you know recently most recently the dallas fed put out this thing about exuberance in the housing market and how potentially we could see a crash yeah potentially if we see a massive housing uh labor market crash maybe potentially but the reality is right now the very true fact is that most homeowners are sitting on record home equity, even though that home equity has declined a little bit. It's still so much higher than it was before the pandemic. This is not 2008. Look, there's also one thing that I think a lot of people mistake, uh, get wrong. And you'll see the YouTubers pointing to the price to income ratio. Look, price to income ratio is fine, a measure of affordability. If I don't have the income, in my area to buy a house, what does that mean? It means demand falls. It says nothing about supply. The price to rent in a price to rent ratio. Okay, nice. Tells you something about you know whether or not in, uh, 
people expect rents to be increasing in the future. And so that's why they're bidding up the price of housing. And of course, if rent, the rent increase is not realized, then prices are likely to fall. That's the theory. But again, the reason why that doesn't necessarily always work in reality is that you have different areas that have uh, rent controls in place and all that kind of stuff that will distort that ratio anyway. But one thing that people don't understand is that the price of housing is not actually the cost of housing. It's not what people pay on a monthly basis. It's not. Today, in today's environment where homeowners are locked into 3% rates, the price is to the roof. But ultimately, these homeowners are sitting on very low monthly costs, monthly payments, and they have no incentive to sell. So you see supply retracting. And if supply retracts, well, okay, prices don't go anywhere. They're not going to crash. And so the, the problem, of course, for housing market participants is if we don't see a big price decline, you know, you're not going to see the type of sales, right? You, you need to see prices come down a little bit, affordability improve, but you also need inventory. If we don't see any inventory, there's nothing to buy. And so that's the problem for the housing market, the fact that there isn't enough stuff to buy. And that's why we desperately need builders to keep building. Orfe, always great to talk about this. I know your passion for the uh, for the housing industry is just, I mean, it's literally, it's off the chart. And, and I, when we're talking about the things that we talk about on the show, I mean, you've got expertise across the board, but uh, you really knock it out of the park on the housing stuff. So thanks again for being here. For Orfe Divangi, this has been Chris Krug. Subscribe to Everyday Economics and dozens of other quality podcasts at americastalking.com. <laughs>